Welcome to the Jenny Carlson Show, everyone. I am so happy to be joined today by Chad Weiberg, Oklahoma State's Athletic Director. And Chad, this is awesome. Thanks so much for taking time to chat. Yeah, thanks for having me. Yeah, we thought this might be a good week to do this because obviously your football team's getting ready to head to Arizona State and a non-conference game this year becomes a conference game next year. So, uh, you know, obviously a lot of talk with conference realignment and I feel like that's probably the best place to start our discussion. Um, you know, you and I have talked and you've talked about this as well. You know, you take the job July 1st, 2021, and then the world gets turned upside down with conference realignment. OU Texas, the news breaks that they're planning to head to the SEC. You've actually told me you remember the actual day. You're not forgetting that day. No. Uh, yeah, <laughs> I think it was. Uh, I think it was 21 days into it exactly. And uh um, and yeah, it uh, definitely um, sort of uh, well, obviously changed things right then. But what we didn't know at the time was sort of the whole domino effect that it was going to, to continue into the next summer and the summer after that and, and uh, continues to go still today. So. Did you have any sense of just the sea change that that would cause in college athletics at the time back in July of 21? No, I I. I I didn't, and, I, and maybe part of that was because at the at the time I wasn't uh, I wasn't trying to uh, look at the the overall landscape. I was busy just trying to focus on what what we needed to do here at Oklahoma State. Um, but um, you know, I don't think anybody saw the UCLA USC move to the to the Big Ten the next um, you know the next year, um, and that one was a little bit different. If you recall, you know, OU and Texas you know, didn't announce that they were making the move. It kind of leaked out there. Um, and, uh, but the UCLA, USC, they announced it. I mean, it was a done, done deal. Um, and when it was announced and, uh, so I don't, I don't think anybody saw that coming. Certainly we did not. So. Yeah. So back in 21, when things start to move and shake, how, what was your suspicion about how the world might change for OSU? I mean, there's obviously maybe not these bigger ramifications that people could have seen, but you had to be thinking about what was going to be good for the Cowboys and Cowgirls. So how did you think all this was going to change things for OSU? Well, I just remember being um, obviously concerned about um, the move and what that could, um, you know, what that could mean to us overall. But at the same time, I I just had this feeling of, of confidence that we were in a, a good position. I didn't know exactly what that was going to look like or where that was going to lead, but I just felt really, really good about um, where we were. And I, I can remember talking about, you know, answering a lot of questions about what, what, what is it that we need to do? And of course we were doing everything that we could do at that moment in time. But the reality was the important work, the real heavy lifting, there was nothing that we could do in that moment in time. It really was the all of the work that we'd put into it over the last 15 plus years. And uh, but because that work had been done, I felt really, really good about where we were positioned. And so I felt like, although I couldn't predict exactly what that was going to look like, I felt like we were going to be a factor in it and be in a position to be in it long term, um, whatever that is. But I think what this has all done, Jenny, for all of us, and I can remember talking about this at the time, and then the UCLA, USC, and how everything has transpired since then, 
you know, the word conference realignment has been used a lot, but really what seems to be happening is some movement towards consolidation, whether that's conference consolidation or divisional consolidation or what, whatever you want to call it. And I think we're certainly seeing that. The way I was describing it is I feel like there's this sort of cut line, if you will, and the cut line is going to continue to move north. And so it's a matter of who stays above that cut line. And so for us, it was the focus has always been, what do we have to do to continue to position ourselves to be on the right side of that cut line as that cut line continues to move, if it continues to move? And it certainly appears that it is going to continue to move for the foreseeable future. What are some things, can you give us a little insight on what are some things you feel like you guys have done since in the last two years to, to continue to try to make sure you are above that cut line. Some, yeah. I mean, I, I think about the uh, facilities announcement, but what are, what are some things in your mind that have, have elevated you guys to continue to, to be above that? So, you know, I think what is being measured, what as far as, you know, we can tell, and we've certainly learned a lot over the last couple of years about what is being measured, right? And I think there's two primary things. There's These are big buckets, but I think best way I know how to describe it is sort of market is one bucket and brand is another. And the market is something that we don't have a lot of control over. Um, Oklahoma is not a big market. Um, we don't live in a big market. It's not a big state. So in and of itself, um, we don't you know, reside in a big market area. There's a lot of other schools that have that as an advantage. That's not an advantage that we have. The other thing is brand. And we do have control, a lot of control over our brand. And I think that is the strength. That's what's positioned Oklahoma State really well to be in the position that we're in. And, and a lot of that starts with winning. You have to be competitive on the field, on the court, all of those things. And again, over the last 15 plus years, we have been. And that's what's, I think, put us in a really, really good position. Um, because it matters that your fans want to watch your teams. It matters that who you're playing, those fans want to watch what, you know, watch your game. And then it matters that sort of the unattached fans feel like it's important to watch your game. And I think one of the things that drives that is if they feel like that your brand is going to factor into the season down the stretch. And again, we have, we have had a history of, of being in that. And so, um, so that is important. So everything that we do has to continue to position our, our teams to be competitive, um, and, and to continue to win. So facilities, all of those, how we recruit, all of those things factor into that. But then there's other things that factor into that. I think it just, it matters the perception that people have about your school, about your brand, about your team. And I think that that is driven largely by your following, you know, so if when the, the lights come on, the cameras come on at Boom Pickens Stadium, I think it matters that the place is full. I think that is a message that gets sent across the country. We all, unfortunately, sometimes tune into games and the stadium is half full, right? Well, that sends a very different message um, instantly about the, the importance of that game. But if you tune into a game where the stadium's full, it's sending that message. And so we've tried to get that that out to our fan base. I think our fan base has responded very, very well. We had a sellout last week. We Our next home game is a sellout. Our season tickets are sold out um, for the season. Our student tickets are sold out. Our 
club seats, our, our suite tickets, everything is sold out. So um, I think we're tracking to uh, potentially have a completely sold out season. I think that's part of the brand, right? I think that is an important message that, that we send. Our interactions, what we do on social media, all of those things I think are being watched, being measured. And so we are, we're talking about and working uh, continuously on, on all of those things. I think most people would say that if you look around the Big 12, if you're measuring brands, um, you guys are, are up towards the top. Um, obviously, the Big 12 adding four teams this year, adding four more teams next year. Um, it seems like it's also in a good spot brand wise at this point. What do you feel like? I ask you what you all have done at Oklahoma State to position yourself. What do you feel like the Big 12 has done, the important steps that it has made to now be in this position to be one of those big brands moving forward in college athletics? Yeah, uh, it's remarkable. I think, Jenny, going back to the earlier part of the conversation, how far the Big 12 has come since that, that time in July of 2021. And, um, and I think that, uh, you know, there's a lot of people um, that deserve a lot of credit um, for how we've gotten to where we are. Um, but really, it, it, it boils down to a lot of really, really good decisions, some small, some big, but just continuing to stack good decisions um, on top of each other. So that, you know, and that's leadership. And um, I do think that uh, Commissioner Bowlesby, I, I know that he gets, um, um, you know, a lot of hits over being the commissioner when OU in Texas decided to leave. But he also should get a lot of the credit for moving quickly. Um, to add the four new schools. And I think that was important um, to just get some stabilization. And uh, the timing of it worked out good to where we were in a position to go get the four best sort of available schools, if you will. Um, and we looked at all the data and I think the data told us the same thing, that those were the best brands available. Um, so we were able to get those into, into the conference and then um, Hiring Commissioner Yormark, I think, was a great decision. I think he was exactly what the conference needed um, for this this time. Um, his skill set, um, uh, the experiences that he brings to the job, I think, were perfect uh, for what we needed. And he's just, I, think, I can't say enough about, I think, the job that he has done. He's done a terrific job um, positioning us from a timing standpoint with our contract I and mean, being able to kind of have a sense of what was going on in the market. Um, to get us there, I think, was, uh, was a huge strategic move, obviously, for the conference. And, and then, really, I think it was just positioning the conference the best we could to be opportunistic. It wasn't that we were going to cause any other movement, but if there was movement to be had, we were going to be well positioned. And I think that's exactly what you saw with Colorado first making the decision to join the Big 12, even before they officially got presented, I think, any of their numbers. I think that was a really, really um, good message that they were sending about wanting to be part of the Big 12 and what we had going on. And then, obviously, with uh, Arizona, Arizona State, and Utah coming in later, um, those are great, great um, brands, I think, to add to the Big 12. Puts us at, six, at 16 teams. So um, I think all of those, uh, all of that is good for the future of the conference. You, you obviously haven't even tiptoed into the expanded Big 12. You haven't played a game yet in a, a, a Big 12 with four new schools, much less eight new schools. So this may be a tougher question to ask, but what do you feel like the biggest impacts of a bigger Big 12 is going to have on Oklahoma State specifically? 
Well, that's a good question. Um, we're excited. You know, we get to play all four of the, the new members this year. So I think that's a great opportunity. Um, we have two on the road, two at home. So we'll get to go to a couple places and see what's uh, what's happening at those places. Um, and then um, have two of them coming here. You know, I think it, it puts us in, um, you know, different markets, I think, is a, is a big part of it, a big part of the advantage of what we're doing. So now we have a footprint in the state of Florida, for example, in the state of Ohio. We've got now a footprint out, um, you know, towards the west part of the country in an additional time zone that we haven't had before. So it just continues to move us into different markets, which I think has the ability to not only uh, grow the Big 12 brand, but grow each of the school's brand individually. And uh, what that does for us um, from an um, athletic department standpoint and recruiting, being able to maybe recruit in different areas and broader broader places. But I think also institutionally, I mean, I think it will then increase the institution's ability to recruit um, more in some of those different, um, different areas as well. I mean, and obviously, we've had a presence in Houston, I think, um, before, but this just increases the institution's presence in Houston. We've got a good alumni base there in Houston, and now we just have the opportunity to be there a lot more than we have been in the past. So I think there's a lot of really good things uh, that that come from it. Obviously, at some point, I mean, next year with the four new schools, you may play the four new schools next year as well. But I assume next football season, we'll see something that looks closer to how scheduling will be moving forward for the Big 12 what have you heard at this point about how that might look? Uh, divisions were the old way in the Big 12. We've seen the sort of pod systems or, you know, three set opponents and then a, a moving around of opponents. What's your sense of where the Big 12 might be headed in that regard? Yeah, we haven't uh, we haven't um, gotten too deep into it yet. I mean, we're modeling that out a little bit. Um, and so I think we'll be having those, those more in-depth conversations um, about that here very, very soon. Um, you know, I think um, the main thing that we're going to be focused on is how do we best position our teams, you know, to get as many teams in the playoff as we can, to get the right teams into the conference championship. Um, uh, so I don't believe, at least I'm not um, – proponent of, and I don't believe um, I've heard a lot of traction for divisions, for example, because I think divisions create an opportunity to where you are leaving, um, you know, maybe one or two better teams at home um, and not even playing in your conference championship game. And I think that can create problems with trying to get more teams into the expanded playoffs. So I think that uh, whatever it looks like, we're going to be structuring the schedule um, with the 12 team, the new 12 team expanded playoff in mind. So how do we make sure that we are positioning um, our best teams uh, to be able to get access to the playoff? There's also an interesting side note to Big 12 scheduling now. Big 12 after dark, Chad, with, with this new, <laughs> with these new teams out West. I know you guys are playing this Arizona State yes. game, kicks off at 9.30 Oklahoma time. Yep. This could be something we see somewhat regularly moving forward. Yep. Yeah, we'll get to experience that a little bit uh, this weekend for sure. And uh, so, yeah, there'll be some some uh, opportunities for some later kick times, at least local time here in Oklahoma. And, and I guess potentially even later for the schools in the, the eastern time zone. Yeah. Um, but I think there's, you know, 
there's um, some good with that. I mean, I think that uh, you know, if you look at some of the Pac-12 ratings, they've had some success with uh, with some of those games kicking at that time because it is, you know, by then a lot of the other games are finishing up, so it's a, um, a pretty um, unique window there um, that a lot of people will tune into. So especially if we we get some really good games. Now, I don't think that all of them will be late games. Um, you know, obviously, I think a big part of of Arizona State, uh, particularly, I assume Arizona is the same way as the September games with the heat there. They are always scheduled for night games, but they do play some day games as well. And so um, I don't think that uh, it's not like they'll all be, be after dark. Not like we need to take naps before every football game from here right. on out. I get yeah, it. I right. get it. Since we're talking about scheduling, I, I'd be remiss if I didn't ask a little bit about Bedlam. I think everybody on both sides has made it pretty clear. Football-wise, Bedlam is probably on a hiatus of some kind. We don't know how long. But what about other sports at this point, Chad, as far as, um, you know, could basketball, men's and women's continue, softball, baseball? What's your sense of Bedlam and maybe some of those other sports? Yeah, my sense is that uh, – those uh, bedlam will continue, I think, in in most of the other sports. I think it'll just look different um, than it has in the past. So take basketball for example. Um, you know, I I don't know, but I doubt that we would play a home and home, for example. So it may be, you know, one year it's in Norman, one year it's in Stillwater, that kind of thing. Um, baseball, softball, you know, is it going to be weekend series? Maybe not. You know, it may be more of a a midweek type arrangement. Um, so I think that uh, there'll be the opportunity to continue to play play Bedlam. We're still having those conversations. I've had conversations with Joe about it. I think our coaches are having conversations with their counterparts about what that looks like. Um, so I think it, it will continue in most other sports, but my guess is it'll just look different than what we're, we're used to seeing. I wanted to ask you one last football question before we do a little lightning round, if that's all right. I hope hope you're okay with lightning rounds. <laughs> but I wanted to ask you a little bit about Mike Gundy. Uh, you know, he portrays the relationship that he has with you and with uh, your president there at OSU, Casey Strum, as being extremely positive. I'm wondering if you can just talk a little bit about the relationship you have with Mike. And if it is positive, why has that collaboration been as good as as Mike has portrayed it? Well, I think it's been extremely positive, and um, I can't speak for him as to um, you know why he he feels that way. I mean, I think from from my perspective, I just have a tremendous amount of respect for him and the job he's done. It's um, you know he he really has built this program into something that it's never been before, and um, that's not easy to do um, anywhere. And uh, you know, just the consistency that he's done it with and, uh, you know, some of the things that he's had to, to do to get it there over the years, I think is uh, he, I don't think he gets the credit that he deserves for where he has placed, um, placed this program. And so, um, and I just have so much respect to Jenny for how he does it. I mean, how he, you know, how he, um, handles the kids, um, just, you know, he talks a lot about, you know, obviously his, um, his boys, right. He's got three boys. And I think that is kind of the perspective that he, he takes with it is just how would I want, you know, how would I want somebody to coach, you know, my sons. And so I just, uh, I just have a lot of respect for that. And, and, you know, I think 
communication is always the key. So um, try to just stay in, in communication, explain them where we, we are from an administrative standpoint or whatever, what's going on, um, how that could impact this program. I want to get his thoughts. He really has, he's been around a long time. He has a lot of knowledge, a lot of history. And uh, so I want to hear, you know, his thoughts on what he thinks about whether it's scheduling or realignment or anything that's going on, you know, I, I do value his opinion and value his thoughts. And so I think all of that is, is what it needs to be. That's how it, it should be. And uh, um, so I just have a lot of respect and appreciation for what he's done for not only the football program, but really for all of OSU athletics and, and for Oklahoma State University in general. I know as somebody who's a little older myself, I appreciate when he uses 80s movies references like he did earlier this week with Animal House. I felt like he's speaking my language a little yeah. bit there, too. So. Well, I, I like to go to practice because the uh, playlist of practice is a lot of really good music, in my opinion. So Yeah, some I heard some Beastie Boys when I was there a few weeks ago. I, I was impressed by the music yeah. selection. I don't know if the guys on the field were as impressed, but I yeah, I think they love it. That's the thing. I think they even have an appreciation for, hey, this is good music. So, All right. We got three quick questions for you, Chad, to wrap up. And I know this first one, it might change after this season or after the next two years, but currently what's your favorite Big 12 road trip? Mm, currently, what's the, my favorite Big 12 road trip? That is a great question. Um, and I'm probably going to... Um, you worked at K-State. You worked uh, yeah. at Texas Tech. I was thinking those might be some favorites. Well, and they would be. And so now you've got me in a, a position where if I've got to pick one over the other, there's going to be somebody mad at me. So, uh, <laughs> um, but uh, no, I would probably have to go with uh, Manhattan just by a little bit. And I'm going to say it's because we still have a lot of, uh, you know, family members that are there um, in addition to, to good friends in both, both places. But um, so it's always good to reconnect and have that opportunity when we when we go to Manhattan. Awesome. Well, uh, orange, obviously, a, a popular color in your neck of the woods. I'm sure you I know you wear it a lot. So I'm curious, do you have a most interesting piece of orange clothing in your uh, in your repertoire? <laughs> No, I, I, well, I, well, I, I guess I would have to, I'm not, I don't have any orange pants. I don't even have an orange blazer like uh, coach Boynton does. Um, he looks great in that. I'm not sure I could pull that off quite as well, but uh, I do have an orange belt um, that was a, uh, a gift from a BYU on uh, coming into the conference. And so nice. uh, um, I, I, I do uh, appreciate that very much and, and enjoy that. So, I was gonna I was gonna think maybe orange cowboy boots. Although I don't see you wearing many cowboy boots, so I thought that might be a step too far. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> I do have them. I don't wear them often, and they're okay. not orange. They're <laughs> <laughs> well, for anybody out there who wants to get Chad a birthday gift at some point, now you know what to get him. Okay, yeah. last one. Your predecessor, Mike Holder, competitive guy, golfer, golf coach. We even heard his AD, he did the step challenge, you know, steps during the day and that sort of stuff. So we know he's competitive. I assume you be in athletics. You've also got a competitive streak, but what's your competitive outlet? <laughs> well, that's a good question. Um, I don't do the uh, step challenge. I'm, uh, I would like to be a better golfer, but I, I golf for fun. Anybody that golfs with me, it better be for fun. It's not going to be, uh, 
<laughs> uh, competitive. Um, at so all. Mike Holder's off your golfing. You cannot golf with Mike. Well, yeah. See, I came here thinking that I would get to golf with Mike. And then I learned when I got here that he doesn't golf anymore. So, <laughs> yeah. Um, so kind of blew that. Um, no, I, I think I get a lot of, uh, of competitiveness out just through being associated with with OSU, but also with my kids, you know, they're involved in, in sports. So, um, get to, to enjoy that, uh, uh, through, through them as well. And, uh, that's probably enough for me at that point. I, uh, um, probably want to not do anything competitive. At that point. Yeah. Your, your blood pressure gets tested enough with all the OSU events. Yeah, I totally understand. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, Chad, this has been awesome. Thanks so much for joining us today. Um, we can't thank you enough. Have a safe trip to Arizona state and for everybody who's joined us here on the Jenny Carlson show, you can find us on YouTube, iTunes, Spotify, basically anywhere you find your favorite podcast. And of course, selloutcrowd.com. So we'll see you next week. Thanks again. Thank you, Jenny. Thanks, Chad.